Hello, welcome everyone to The Future Belongs to Creators. I am your host, Miguel, joined with my lovely co-hosts, Charlie and Haley. How are you doing, ladies? Doing good. Doing fantastic. Tomorrow's uh, Thanksgiving for anybody who's American that's watching this uh, episode today. So I'm just, you know, getting prepped and ready for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. There are different versions of Thanksgiving around the world. I think like Canada has one a little like earlier than us. Maybe I think it is. I think it already passed. But I feel like it seems like most cultures have some version of a holiday where it's just like kind of like reflecting back and being like, you know what, this is a let's let's just be thankful for what we have. So I am thankful for two lovely co-hosts. Oh, that was good. He pulled it around. That was good. They say if if you flatter uh, people, they're they're more likely to um, like do stuff for you. So maybe this is. (laughs) I I was like, is that where he's going? That doesn't feel like a very. Honestly, I'm feeling fast and loose. (laughs) So does that mean if I flatter you, you'll like send me a table or something? (laughs) Yeah. And. Flattery and like $400 in shipping fees because you are very far from me. Well, speaking of where you are, Miguel, this is a different background that we have for any of the audio listeners. It is very yellow. Miguel is in a very yellow room, which is different from his usual office. Where are you Mm -hmm. at the moment? Well, uh, (laughs) I am in my mother-in-law's spare bedroom Okay, because since it is Thanksgiving, um, I've kind of relocated and brought all of my podcast equipment with me and set up in here. So this is uh, kind of, this room's always weirded me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this on audio, your mother you're missing out on is... to this on audio. <laughs> oh, no, no. She, they're, they're, out, they're out like doing last minute like food shopping. So I'm in the clear. And I'm pretty sure she doesn't listen to this. You better hope she doesn't. <laughs> This show has spiraled out of control from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. So so anyways, even though I'm in the room sponsored by Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, we are going to move on with this podcast. So, um, but before we do that, I wanted to, um, well, first of all, it is a QA. So I do want to encourage anybody that is here live to please, um, at any point, if anything crosses your mind and it's something that you want to chat about, uh, by all means, please in the chat, ask a question. We'll be happy to talk about it. And Teddy, Teddy says, I'm podcasting from inside of a banana, (laughs) uh, which is fairly accurate. Uh, Not really a question, but I mean, like, pretty close. You're you're getting there, Teddy. Uh, Anyways, I am very rambly today. I think I'm just giddy because I like the holidays. It makes me happy. It feels like a Friday uh, today, doesn't it? Yeah, that's (laughs) it. It sure does. Strong Friday vibes this Wednesday. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, you know, you give thanks with your family, and then immediately the day afterwards, you go out and punch people at Walmart for a flat screen TV. It's yeah, the but American there's no way. flat screen TVs this year. Everything's like stuck in a port, stuck somewhere. In fact, I don't know, Miguel, you're in Florida, so maybe you've seen this, but I was in Los Angeles last weekend or last two weeks ago. I can't even remember anymore. Some time ago, recently, uh, filming for creator sessions, and I went and visited my grandparents who happened to live on this like peninsula that overlooks the harbor. And I'm not kidding when I say there were hundreds of shipping containers that like that I, that you could see because and then they just made a new law or change um, that I think they have to be so many miles off of the shore to like it helps with pollution and a bunch of other things. And um, they changed some things to make it a little bit more orderly, but hundreds 
it was, I've never seen anything like it. It was crazy. So all those uh, Black Friday TVs are stuck on those boats. Are stuck on those boats. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a few podcasts about like the like daily news podcasts and they're talking about the supply chain and things like that. And they did a piece on the port of Los Angeles and like the port of San Diego. And they described exactly what you're talking about. And it's just like, did you, I hope you took pictures. I want to see pictures if you did, because it must be like insane. Yeah. Just like everything that we want is here. Technically it's just like floating on a ship somewhere because we just like don't have the people to get it off the boats and onto trucks. Yeah. And like, there's like a trucking, uh, a trucking driver uh, shortage. That's happening in the UK as well, I think. And I'm sure Brexit isn't helping with all I, that. It's because... not helping with anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it's even harder to get things anywhere because now you have to need to do customs and all this crazy stuff. So we got really off topic. <laughs> let's let's reel it back in here, guys. Reel us back in, Michael. I'm glad. But speaking speaking of things that are holding back the economy, Ooh, uh, speaking of the economy, I wanted to talk today about the creator economy. And uh, to kick us off, I do have a few like sort of like prepper questions that I thought might be fun for us to sort of like get our, our brains turning. So where I'd like to start is, um, first of all, I was when I was doing research for this podcast, I thought it was very interesting. And we've touched us, touched on this in other podcasts, and that is that the need of social media in order to reach out to your audience. Mm -hmm. And but also, I think it's very interesting because even though that is a tool for us to reach our audiences, ultimately, uh, it's necess not necessarily the, the best way to have a direct relationship with your audience when it comes to like transacting with them. Uh, whereas something like uh, Substack or, or Patreon is probably a little bit more of a direct way that we can connect with our audience and kind of own our audience a bit more. And they said that uh, something like out of the millions of online creators, some 70 something percent of them actually rely on Instagram mm. in order to, to monetize their business. And Instagram, remember, is something that is driven heavily by ads, right? So it's just interesting to me that the vehicle that we connect with everyone with is all about being ad driven and keeping people on the platform and not necessarily about connecting with creators. That's not definitely not the first thing they're trying to do. So I, my question is, Will creators always need social media to reach their audience? Or is there some kind of future where we can transition away from it and have a direct relationship with our audience? What do you guys think? I think that it's going to be hard for anything to beat social in terms of discovery because it's where people are hanging out and it's where we are searching for things. Like you mentioned Instagram, more and more Instagram is the place that when we're planning a trip somewhere, you look at Instagram to see what other people have been doing when they went to that place. Mm -hmm. So it's not just for finding creators, it's for finding businesses and hotels and like activities and things to do. So I don't see social media, the use of it diminishing for that part of the, like the discovery process, I guess, but I do see it being more like a funnel where creators reach their audience on social and then transition them to something more private. Right now, I feel like we're seeing this a lot with Discord servers. This is coming up a lot. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about NFTs on my timeline. And that was what the last episode was about. So, but that's a big <laughs> thing in the NFT community is like they connect on Twitter and find each other and like find what projects people are getting into and buying, but then they hang out and like do their communicating in Discord in like a more private setting, I guess. And I think we might see more of that where it's like the social is the discovery and when it's like wide and open and then you transition somewhere more private, like an email list, like a Discord server or private community, something like that. 
I've thought about this a lot, actually, since you posted the topic, uh, Miguel, because if I think back to my experience um, and my former partner experience, Mandy, with Happy Happy Houseplant, her audience is so unbelievably connected to her on social, and she doesn't rely on email much like at all. And really for her, like her sales funnel is all based off of her stories. So when she talks about things on stories, like that is ultimately the only sales funnel that she has. She relies, she doesn't rely on ads at all. And, you know, she's making multiples of six figures, you know, in her business. I I think that it's hard because I don't know what the right answer is, because I really think that it's about how you cultivate your audience on whatever channel that you're actually using. Right. And so I think that for her, she has this really loyal audience and she just she's on it so much and she devotes so much time and energy and attention to that, which allows for the optimization of the algorithm, whereas she's not devoting all of her time and energy to, let's say, email. And for her, she knows her audience well enough to where this particular audience and the type of business that she's running really relies on teaching. And teaching can be done better in the format for like teaching about houseplants through video than it can be through email, I think. And so, in fact, we did, um, we just saw this uh, on a survey result for our creators about how they like to learn and they like to learn their number one thing of the way that they like to learn was through video. So I think that's really common. And I think that that's what Instagram does really well is that when you have a creator that's teaching something and they figure out the right method of what that looks like for them and Instagram can be that tool, then I, I, so I don't know, I guess I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I guess my point is, is that I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if social media, like Charlie, like you said, if it'll ever, if we'll, we'll prioritize these other types of communications, whether it be discord or email over social, or if it always has to be like a complementary between the two of them to make sure that you meet a larger percentage of your audience that's willing to buy something when you're talking about monetizing. You know, that, that makes me think of like, there's so many different avenues for people to reach their audience. And a lot of it has to do with the personal preference of that audience. Some people like getting text messages from things that they follow uh, about like, oh, hey, uh, there's this uh, flash sale going on this Saturday and you get a text about it and with a link and then it sends you to it. And some people prefer text. In fact, we get a lot of uh, feature requests of ConvertKit for us to launch some kind of an SMS uh, feature inside ConvertKit. So there's definitely the demand for, for texting. And then some people obviously prefer having email lists and some people prefer like Happy Happy Housebound. You said their funnel is like basically almost exclusively through Instagram stories. So it just depends on, you know, there might be people that are big fans of Happy Happy Houseplant who maybe don't really like Instagram all that much. So is it worth it to try and reach out to those people and have multiple vectors to reach out to people? Or is it better for a creator to sort of like figure out where they're where their voice is loudest and sort of just like zero in on that. I think that becomes a capacity issue. You mm-hmm. know, I think that I think that uh, when your capacity increases because you either you bring in another team mate, right, or you have more help, then that obviously changes. But I think that when you have um, you don't have the capacity and you are maybe just a one person or one team creator, um, then I think that you know you kind of like to your your latter point, Miguel, is that you focus on the one channel that serves you the best. May I, I'm sure there are people that would conflict with that, like there that's, you know, that would disagree with that. I don't necessarily know the right answer, but I think that 
Um, the thing about Happy Happy Houseplant that I do know or that I can say it specifically is that Mandy knows her audience so well. Like I feel like the audience, like she, and that's what her audience wanted and needed. And so I think that that's a question that every creator needs to ask, which is, is like, what does my audience want and how do they want it the best? And what's the majority saying? And then you focus in on that. I think that's true. But I also like, I get concerned about creators who go all in on social. Cause I'm like, you have zero say over mm. what Instagram does, you mm. know? Mandy was in a great position because she was able to pivot to video easier and Mm -hmm. Instagram is now prioritizing that in the algorithm, obviously. But I know a lot of designers on Instagram who are now feeling like, well, shit, is this the place for me? Like, I don't make Mm -hmm. video. I make static pictures with my advice and like, it's like graphic design Mm -hmm. and I'm sharing my artwork. And now this is content that Instagram isn't prioritizing and they're finding it harder to grow. So I feel Mm -hmm. like social media can be great, but we also need a backup plan. Yeah. And yeah. But that's to the point, like you do what your audience needs, you know, right? So you're like, this is what my audience needs. I think the one thing that I didn't highlight though, right? And that we haven't necessarily talked about, and we've talked about this a lot, is that with social media, you don't own your audience, right? So how many, the the great Instagram breakdown, yeah. So like the great Instagram breakdown of, you know, January, February, March, April, like it feels like it happens all the time where Instagram goes down. Like at yeah, some point. Yeah, I see point, everyone on Twitter know? at that point yeah. and everyone's like, is Instagram down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you kind of have to, you know, there has to be a balance for that, which is why we obviously talk about email so much because it's not rented real estate, it's owned real estate. So the real yeah. answer really is, is that you, you should always look to migrate from your priority audience, right? If you have the most followers on one channel, whether that be Instagram or YouTube, you should always be migrating them to something that you do own. That should never be a question. Um, But prioritizing which channel you're talking to them most, I think that's a capacity question, right? It's where do you spend all your time? Yeah, it's funny because Instagram is an interesting place where there there is definitely creators and their audiences having, having a a discussion back and forth. And then you also, it's also, like I said before, a place with ads. I don't know about you guys, but every once in a while, those freaking Instagram ads, they get me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And it's like, I'm almost like, I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of like a joke with like uh, our coworker, Ben, who's been on this podcast (laughs) before, is I'll tell him like, that fucking Instagram, uh, they got me again, man. I got a pair of joggers or something like that. And he's just like, oh, you you got I got. have right here a pair of um, house shoes with a nice squishy sole that I bought from an Instagram ad. <laughs> I literally, not 20 minutes ago, right before this started, asked my husband, I was like, hey, how do you feel about switching from your, your daily vitamins to athletic greens? <laughs> athletic greens like you look at you search them once and i'm not kidding they are in your feed they must they must spend a hundred dollars a day just on me like promoting just to me that's because they know that they're going to get you they do they do know so i'm just so the reason i bring that up is because i'm interested in sort of this relationship between instagram as a place where i create content and the people who have followed me will eventually get something from me and then there's the people who just like outright buy ads. And that means like every four things that I actually signed up for, they're going to feed me something I didn't sign up for. And the things that I did sign up for is basically creating a profile about the kind of interests that I have. So when something that is in the same ballpark of something I like has an ad, I'm going to be fed that because there's a good chance that that's something I'm going to click on, look at, pay money for. So ultimately, 
I feel like in a way you're kind of like using the creator economy to feed into the consumer, regular consumer mm. economy, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of like the old school. I watch cartoons, but then I watch three episodes. I, I, I watch, sorry, I watch like three commercials that are like Nerf guns and uh, some cereal that looks amazing. That's got Power Rangers on it or whatever I was into at the time. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm not just innocently watching cartoons. That's created by, right? My attention is being, you know, called on Mm -hmm. in between breaks uh, to try and sell me something or at least beg my mom to buy me something (laughs) when I was a kid. So this is just like the new version of that. Um, So I would just love it if like creators in the creator economy could find a way to sort of like back away from that. In, in, a, in a concerted effort to, yeah, it's great to be discovered there, but eventually don't rely on it. Pull away, own your audience, and, you know, have have us talking about product X, Y, and Z or thing that I create be just that. And it's not being interrupted by something like what I'm making because somebody mm. made a profile about mm. me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So there might be like this artisan that makes uh, really cool sort of like handmade or, or you used to have a t-shirt company, Charlie, right? Sure did. Sure. And then after I look at Charlie's t-shirts, I scroll by and then there are- Other t-shirts. You know, <laughs> some mass-produced t-shirts and stuff like yeah. that. I think that as creators, we need to find the right funnel that works for our business. And you just continue to iterate on what that funnel looks like, right? And you test out all the different types of, you know, of funnels and the changes that can be made. And I was reading this article from this um, kind of a, women's business. Um, and they were all creator types. And I can't remember what the like alliance was, but basically it was like five different women founders that have um, built seven figure businesses. And um, it's a lot of, a lot of the advice that they were offering to creators was very specific to the advice that our board offers us, which is follow Mm -hmm. the data and iterate on things, right? And you find the thing that has the best conversion rate for the thing that you're trying to sell and the way that you monetize your business. And I think that that is going to look different than anyone for, for everyone. And so I think that the, the real answer is, is that there's not one answer, right? There's the important thing is, is that there's all these different avenues of ways that you can sell or grow your audience, right? But the most important thing is, is that you know what that is and you create your funnel through that. And then you also own your audience. I think the answer is, is that there is no right answer for every single creator. It's going to be different. And if you just iterate on iterate on the funnels and you look at the data, the data is always like become like a data scientist, right? The data is always going to point you into the right direction. And maybe Instagram isn't the answer. Maybe Discord is the answer. Maybe YouTube is the answer. Maybe whatever, insert whatever different creator platform is the answer for your type of business and do the thing that is right for your audience. And I think that you'll find the answer. I think that actually the the ads on Instagram that you're talking about, Miguel, creators can kind of I don't know, maybe take inspiration from it is maybe not the right way to say it, but like people are on Instagram and as we just talked about, people are buying through Instagram, right? And a lot of creators feel, I don't know, weird or bad sometimes about marketing their products and the stuff they're making. They're like, oh, I don't want to be seen to be like promoting myself too much or like talking about this thing I made too much, which like, you know, it's a good thing to consider, but people are on Instagram seeing things they like clicking through and buying. So you can share your product on there confidently knowing that, yeah, this could be a place that someone sees something they like and clicks through and buys it. And to your point, Miguel, about, I don't know, an ad showing a mass-produced version of something you're making, 
that's where I think the connection and like building the relationship comes in. Because mm-hmm. think about like a creator that you like. If you saw a mass-produced version of a thing they made, would you really buy the mass-produced version or would you rather support the creator who you know and like? Um, it, yeah, you're right. It might get a few of the new fans or like the the casual browsers, but I think the true fans are going to still buy your t-shirt and not the, the H&M one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's super freaking weird that the thing where I find out what my friend had for dinner yesterday is also the same place where people are selling stuff. It's just like this yeah, weird right. mix weird. <laughs> of like, I'm scrolling through and I'm like, oh, here's my friend's dog being cute uh, at the park. And also I'm going to buy a yeah, like, pair of leggings like on TV, or something. You expect, you expect to be served an ad, right? Everybody's watching the same thing, but Instagram is this weird place that mixes personal and professional, right? <laughs> like, and because the ads are personal yeah. to you as well, right? Like not everyone's seeing those leggings. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's been normalized, right? So it seems so normal, but it is, if you think about it, really freaking weird. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Teddy did ask (laughs) us a question um, that I wanted to highlight. Um, And it seems like it's maybe pointed directly at us because he's asking, how important or beneficial is it for a podcast to also be on YouTube? Do you think podcasts without a video component will be in the minority at some point in the near future? What do you think, Miguel? I do think it's beneficial for a podcast to also be on YouTube because I think we benefit greatly from this uh, live interaction. Mm. I mean, obviously, right now we said, hey, ask us a question. And then a couple minutes later, here we are answering it. Um, That would be exceedingly difficult to do if it didn't have this video component. I don't know how you do live uh, I mean, I guess maybe you can say tweet at us uh, while you're doing a non-video podcast and then hopefully you're looking at your Twitter feed and then you feature it on whatever you're recording. But that seems like a lot less connected to the audience. But do we and then the second part of that question is, do you think podcasts without a video component will be in the minority at some point? I don't know enough about this to really answer, but it seems to me that podcasts with video components, are they already the minority or do most podcasts also have like a video component? I think that a lot of podcasts, it's it's like kind of two rules of thinking. You either do a podcast or three rules of thinking. You do a podcast with no video component. It's just voice, right? And you release it. You do a podcast like us with Miguel, to your point, where it has a live audience. You can ask questions. You can engage with people. Or you record the podcast so you can use those marketing materials to promote your podcast. And that's what I Mm -hmm. see most often. Um, You look at some of the most well-known podcasters, like let's say Joe Rogan, every single one of his podcasts is recorded and he releases them on YouTube and clips on YouTube and on social. Lauren and Michael Bostick from The Skinny Confidential, they record everything. um, Who The Almost 30 uh, podcast, they do the same thing. And I think that they use those as marketing materials. I think the answer is, is that you should always record it for the most part. I think you should try uh, is, is the answer. I think that how you choose to use those materials, those assets, is based around your podcast. For us as a live podcast with questions, it makes perfect sense to do it this way. But um, if we didn't do it this way, I still think that it would be good to create those video assets that we could share elsewhere to promote the podcast. Yeah, I think on the... that. Video is powerful in podcasting, mostly on the marketing side, honestly. I mean, with my own podcast, I see about half and half people watching the video version versus listening to the audio version. Um, Some people didn't even know there was a video version that existed, like they'd just been listening to the audio, you know. 
even though I, I feel like I recorded it as video first, if we're going to use that that terminology. But like that that's just people's preferences. I personally don't watch podcasts. I prefer to listen while I'm out on a walk mm-hmm. or something like that because it's nice to do something without a screen for once. But some people prefer video. But you cannot beat video, I don't think, for promoting something. It's going to stand out more in feeds. You can consume like a little bite of the episode and then get to... I don't know, be interested in it enough to watch the whole thing, hopefully. And if not, you've made them aware of you anyway, just through the video. So I think maybe to answer Teddy's question that the minority in the future will be podcasts that aren't promoting themselves with video, but you won't necessarily be able to watch the full video version of every single show. Yeah, you're definitely limiting yourself by not doing a video component because without that video component, then you will not really be able to post anything about it on Instagram or YouTube. How am I supposed to take an audio-only medium and talk about that on Instagram in an effective way? That isn't just maybe like a quote from mm-hmm. it, and then that quote is just a static image on Instagram, which we already talked about that Instagram don't video like those. is... Yeah. <laughs> they don't like that so much. So so it definitely, it, it gives you a lot more options on the marketing side, for sure. That's a good call out, ladies. I'm keen to hear, before we get into the next question, like or like while we're answering it, what does Teddy think? Tell us what you think, Teddy. How would you answer your own question? Uh, according to Teddy, he thinks uh, two arms raised up emoji. So that's, <laughs> that pretty much sums up Teddy. We'll give him time to collect his yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but while he's doing that, well, when I, well, we can actually go straight into another question, um, which is kind of an interesting broad question is, should creators consider having a business plan? That's from Alejandro. That's, I don't know about you ladies, if you, has it, have either of you ever actually done like a actual business plan, no, like an official one? I have not. No? I've run several businesses and never done one. I don't even know what one is, to be honest. Like I wouldn't even know how to write one. <laughs> Like, what is a business plan? What is involved in that? (laughs) I'm the total opposite. But also because I have a degree, like my degrees in business marketing. So I feel like um, I, you know. Mine is in design. So that makes sense. So, um, (laughs) but no, I had, um, I started a small like little design business, not not graphic design, but a business with a friend a few years ago that due to some personal reasons on her end, we ended pretty shortly after it started, but I, we used some, like we used our personal funds to finance it. And so my husband, bless his heart, required me, uh, in order to use my, our family's funds to start the business required that I, I show him a business plan, which is kind of funny when you think about it, but, uh, it was actually really helpful for me because I was buying physical goods. In short, basically what I did is I created a small collection. It was like for a coffee table and you bought the collection of things and it would like design your entire coffee table. So there was a book, a candle, a piece of ceramics, an air plant. I remember right? this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like a leather tray. There was a leather tray and um, it was it was great. And actually since, since I started that, there's so many people that do a very similar thing now, but I feel like I was on the cutting edge, cutting edge of that. Yeah, yep. but anyways, all that to say is um, I, I do think that having a business plan was really, really helpful um, for that type of business. Um, I think that it's a little bit harder when you have a digital business, like a completely digital based business. You don't have like physical goods. And I think that understanding physical goods and um, sales and taxes and the amount of, you know, it's a little bit different. And I think that a business plan can be helpful for that. 
Is a business plan basically about where you're making your money from and like where you expect to lose money? No, it kind of, of, thing it kind of it? covers everything. It would be like if you were to go get a business loan, if you were to go get a loan to start your business, you would be required most likely to present a business plan to the institution that was provide that was giving you money to do this. So I think that's uncommon for a lot of creators. A lot of creators don't say, well, I need $20,000 of seed money to start this business, right. right? I needed that money because I needed to buy inventory. So like that was essentially like why I, I, we were using funds, like, you know, our personal money or savings for that. Um, but if you were to start like a franchise or start a store, you would need a business plan. And it would include everything from like your audience, your location, how many of your competitors are within your location, the amount of money that you need for your investment, the amount of time that it'll take for you to recoup your investment, their investment, I guess, in you, things like that. So. I don't think it's all that necessary for the vast majority of creators in our circumstances, but I do think that if you're starting or doing something that has physical goods, I think it's really helpful. So the question is, should they consider having a business plan? And I think at the end of the day, a business plan essentially is just sort of a blueprint for what you want your business to do, um, what the, in trying to sort of like expect any kind of pitfalls and how you would pivot if X, Y, and Z happened. And it's just sort of like trying to give some legitimacy and pre-planning as much as possible before you start something. So that way you are the most possibly prepared to start that thing. Um, Is it necessary? Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, Charlie, you're successful in the things that you've done. And as you (laughs) said, you haven't had one. But I will say that... um, I actually, I did take a, a small business, several small business courses in college, and I had to do a business plan as like the final project for a lot of those things. And I remember uh, really the, the process of writing a business plan was really tedious and it is kind of uh, not something anyone would look forward to doing. It's definitely not the sexy part <laughs> of starting a business, but it is definitely something that you can sort of like use to fall back on if you feel like you're kind of floundering or waning is something you can look at and kind of help you keep your focus. Um, so if you feel like you're somebody that would benefit from like sort of a, you know, kind of a reorienting every once in a while to make sure that you're on the right track, I think that a business plan would definitely help with something like that. Cause it's kind of like the, 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 your little sort of like quasi Bible for your business. I think also the term business plan is super subjective. Um, Amy Porterfield, who's a very prolific uh, creator and course creator, she does um, these live events and usually, uh, well, she does lots of stuff, but she actually has um, product that she sells where she helps course creators create a bit, essentially a business plan for creating a course. And that is like understanding your exact, like your um, ideal creator archetype, things like that. So it's like a business plan in theory is the exact same thing as, as that. That's just a digital version of it, right? Where when you say traditionally business plan that, I don't know, like I said, it's, it feels like, what's the word? Historic, not historic. Um, Antiquated? Feels archa- yeah, yeah, archaic. Antiquated, yeah, antiquated, archaic a little yep. bit. But if you were to say, like I said, if you were to start like a brick and mortar, you needed seed money, you would take a pretty formal business plan, traditional business plan, right? You know, but there's obviously digital versions of that. Like, and you can, you know, Amy Porterfield's a great example of a creator that helps people work through that. Um, But I totally agree with um, Michael. Um, He talked about um, doing a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I think that that's just like a really easy practice um, or something that you can do when you're building out your business. 
Yeah, I like that Michael says that doing that, like thinking about what the strengths are, what the weaknesses could be, the opportunities that exist, the threats that there might be to your business, it can help you see it from other perspectives. Um, and also to think about maybe how you'd stand out from other creators and what they're doing. Like this is something that maybe I haven't done this formally. Like I haven't thought of it as a SWOT test, but recently I have been thinking like, okay, there's a lot of other design YouTube channels now. When I started, I was one of the only ones like showing my work, sharing life as a designer. So that was like the point of difference. Now that there's a lot, I'm like, okay, I need to like figure out where I'm going to lean in to stand out from all these other talented folks. So I feel like I've kind of been doing that, but less formally. And maybe I should do it more formally. Maybe it would actually help because I don't know if I'm as successful as you said, Miguel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure that most people in our audience definitely look up to, to you, Charlie, because you are kind of like way further down the road and where a lot of them are hoping to be. So what do you want, Miguel? You talked at the start about how flattering it is when you get what you want. What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm just telling you that you don't have to be that modest. Oh, okay. You are, I mean, well, if I can think of a good analogy, it's like when I first started woodworking, I never planned anything out. I was just like, I'm just going to start cutting shit. And if I cut it too short, I'll just get a that's a scrap piece now that hopefully I can use later and I'll just cut it again because once you cut a piece too short, you can't add wood back on. So eventually I'm like, you know what? I would probably save a lot of time if I took the time to like design things ahead of time um, and just kind of like did my homework a little bit more. And uh, I'm still not super good at that, but I definitely do plan things out a lot more so I don't have to stop in the middle of a project and then like run to the hardware <laughs> store and buy because I didn't get enough materials and you cut too many all scrap this stuff and come wood. back. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> But when it comes time for like when it gets chilly down here, I definitely have plenty of firewood, (laughs) overly expensive firewood because it's just like chunks of anyways, moving on. Um, (laughs) And uh, I just got burned by Michael. He said, don't trust anyone in a yellow bedroom. And that is accurate. That's maybe a good note to end on. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I am in a yellow room and you just shouldn't necessarily trust me. But um, I do hope that uh, everybody in the audience, um, we didn't get to necessarily all of the questions we might have made to have one or two that we didn't get to. So we do apologize, but bring them next time. Um, yeah, bring them next time. Absolutely. Um, we are going to, we we're still going to be here next week, right? We're not leaving for the holidays or anything, but we'll keep everybody posted, um, on our schedule around like Christmas, new year's around time. So there may be a few days that we missed there, but, um, thanks everybody for joining and bringing your questions and your humor. And thank you ladies for your insight. And, um, We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.